What's going on, Rough Golfers? Welcome to episode number 37 of the Rough Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Karras. Thank you so much for joining me today. Is anybody out there playing golf right now? Because I wish I could join you. I want to get outside and play some golf. I don't even really care what I shoot. I just want to get out there and be playing because it's beautiful, man. The, the springtime weather has set in. It's not super swampy and hot like it would be during the dead of summer. It's just perfect golf weather. I feel like early spring, early to late spring, you get those days that are just fantastic. And then you get it again in the fall, right, like right into September, October. Those days are just, oh, man, they're beautiful and the best time to be outside and, and be playing golf. You know, that just those days are awesome. And today is one of those days. So I'd like to be outside playing golf. But instead, I'm in here doing a podcast because I played a weekend golf tournament and I want to share some of the thoughts I had as I was playing that weekend golf tournament with a few buddies. It was a four-man scramble benefiting a local high school golf team, which it's always a good cause, you know, get gets those youngsters out there playing golf. And uh, then I wanted to talk about uh, three tips to help you play better golf, which is it's kind of stuff that I took from what I saw in the golf tournament and uh, a few things that I've applied to my own game that have helped me lower my score. Maybe, I don't know, you can apply them to your game and it will do the same. So the weekend golf tournament, it was a four-man scramble, 18-hole golf tournament, and I think there were something like 20 or 30 teams. So it was a decent size field for the area in which we play, and we played on this course nicknamed the Goat Path, okay? Maybe if you guys are from the area, you would be familiar with that course, but it's basically at the top of a mountain, and if you fade the ball at all, or in my case, slice the ball, you are going to shoot super high scores. I mean, this is a course strictly for players who can draw the ball, and I mean over and over and over again. I don't think there's one hole that you would hit a driver that you would need to fade the ball. They just you go left. That's It's like NASCAR, man. Just go left, okay? So... I can't do that. <laughs> my best hope is to hit the ball straight when I can control my slice slash fade and maybe do a little baby cut, a little five-yard cut. But with the conditions we were playing in, it was a little wet, so the grass you know, was helping us in, in the fact that if you play that course when it's dry and you hit on one side of the fairway, it's likely going to roll like 30 yards to the other side of the fairway into the rough before it stops because it's just on such a massive slope. Now, the greens are in amazing condition. Tiered greens, super fast. I mean, they have done a beautiful job at that course with those greens, so it was fun to play on them. But we didn't win, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and, and, you know, bust that bubble right now. We did not win. We came in fourth, all right, and we shot six under, Okay. I thought that was playing pretty well for that course, but the uh, kind of like the leader of the team who'd been playing there, that was his high school uh, course, uh, he was like, nah, we're going to need like 18 under to win this, 18 or 22 under, which on that course, I was super surprised. Now, the way that they uh, determined the um, which tees you would, you would tee off from was just based on age, obviously gender as well, but... Um, you would, if you were 62 or older or 14 or younger, you could tee off from the seniors tees and then pretty much anything that, not that you're teeing off from the white tees. So we played white tees and the group that won, okay, 
was um, three older guys and one student, okay? He was like, I don't know if he was 14 or 15, but um, he was a really good player from the golf that I saw him play. They were right behind us, and and they were keeping pace and, and shooting good scores, and they won. But the uh, kind of leader of that group, the older fella, he would tee off from the seniors' tees and nearly drive the green almost every single time. Man could, could really hit the ball well, and, uh, you know, that's such an advantage when you're uh, 40 or 50 yards ahead of a tee box and you're able to tee off from there. So I really, you know, saw that as an advantage. Of course, a tip that I'm not going to give you today is not going to be about, uh, you know, claim that you're 62 so you can tee off from the seniors' tees. No. But the way he approached each hole was very interesting. Okay. So tip number one is to play it safe off the tee. And I've talked about this before, but I don't want to say that you need to be a hero on every single shot, okay? Uh, You need to play the smart shot and not the risky one. If you think about this, think about the professional golfers out there, okay? They are calculating their shots because they want to put the ball in a safe enough place that they can, number one, find it, So it's not out of bounds. And number two, have a decent second shot into the green, okay? My mentality when I'm playing golf, and maybe some of you golfers out there, you rough golfers, have the same mentality as I just want to, you know, hit the crap out of the ball. I just want to smack that ball as far as I can down the fairway to get me closer to the green so that I can have a good approach shot into the green, hopefully with like a, 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 a short iron or maybe a wedge. And that's just, that's not always the, the best approach. I used to play golf with my grandfather all the time. And uh, when we would enter these best ball tournaments, um, we would often win. And I was very fortunate at, uh, you know, 12 and 13 to be a fairly decent driver of the golf ball. I could, you know, outdrive a lot of these uh, older men, the senior men in their 60s and 70s uh, at 12 and 13 years old, just because I was kind of a, a hefty hefty kid, and I had been working on my swing since I was four, and my grandfather had helped me. So, you know, I I would be able to drive the ball a good ways, and then they could use that drive and work their magic around the greens. Well, one of the things that I've noticed, and if you guys have ever played with any of, you know, maybe the senior members of your club or in a four-man scramble and you've got an older fellow in the group that plays that course more often, most of them, if you watch how they play, they just punch it down the fairway. It may not go... 215 yards off at, for a drive, but it is straight down the fairway, just boom, boom, boom. If you make two or three straight shots down the fairway and you're not worried about getting out of the trees, going over the trees, being in a, a fairway bunker, being uh, in a water hazard or in a lateral hazard because you hooked or sliced the ball, if you watch these, these older gentlemen play, they just punch it down the fairway. So if you maybe took that... Um, strategy, shall we say, and applied it to your game and say, okay, I'm going out with the uh, um, intent to break my personal best score of 100. Let's just say that's what you've scored on a golf course so far. Maybe instead of whipping out the driver, take a long iron, take a fairway wood, take something that's a little more forgiving and use that when you're playing your round and see if you can break that score with 100. I am fairly confident that by playing long irons for the entire round, 
You won't see the distance that you would with a driver, okay, granted, but the consistency of never going out of bounds, never being in the water hazard, being able to play just straight down the fairway, boom, 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 that is going to give you a lot more opportunities to score and to break 100. So playing it safe off the tee is is number one, okay? Going for glory on every single hole often winds you up in more trouble than it's worth. I used to take lessons from a, a, a golf coach, okay? And he would tell me, swing at 80% every time you swing. And I would say, well, you know, I want to go after it. I feel like my body wants me to go after it, coach. Okay, I just, I just, I have to swing hard. Well, he said, go ahead and do that. You know, hit me five shots where you're swinging and you feel like you're going after it and you're feeling good. And I did. And maybe one of those five shots was playable. The other four were, you know, either a severe duck hook when I tried to overcompensate and I rolled it over or a massive slice because I was in to out and, or excuse me, out to in and I had my club face open. And he was like, there's, you're proving my point. You know what I mean? Try swinging at 80% and see what you do. Swung at 80%, three out of the five shots were playable. Okay. So obviously I had some, some stuff I needed to work on, but his point was, was made by slowing things down a little bit, playing it safe, not feeling like you've got to be, you know, Superman and rocket one off the tee. We can only judge ourselves by, you know, what we see on uh, professional tournaments and things like that. And like, man, I, I want to hit 300 yards. And it looks like those guys are just giving it everything they've got. But you're not playing in the PGA Tour. You know what I mean? You're, you're not, you shouldn't compare yourself to those professional level uh, players because um, they've spent, you know, so many hundreds of hours on a golf course, even thousands of hours on a golf course, honing their skill. But if you look at the guys who win those local club tournaments, those four-man scrambles, it's almost always got an older guy who plays that course on the regular, and he doesn't hit it very far, but he sure does hit it straight down the fairway every single time, and he plays it safe. And, I mean, he's not hitting amazing wedge shots. He's just hitting smart wedge shots, okay? So play it safe off the tee, and I guarantee you, you're going to see your scores drop. I bet you, you know, just go out there and try and play nine holes, all right? Let's say on average you shoot between a 45 and a 50 on nine holes. Just use irons. Just use irons on one nine-hole round. Tell me what you shoot. I bet you you're going to shoot better than 45 to 50, and if you're not, you're not trying. So play it safe off the tee. Now, tip number two that... uh kind of coincided with how that uh, team won the tournament was the use of sand wedges and lob wedges, all right? Guys, keep them in the bag, all right? They're really, they're actually, they're a high-risk, high-reward club, okay? When, you know, if you are going to spend hours upon hours of just practicing your lob wedge shots or your sand wedge shots, sure, you're probably going to be very, very good, but your driving, your iron play, and your putting is going to suffer, even the professionals on tour don't like to use those clubs and make pinpoint shots. You'll see them use those clubs, obviously, to get out of the bunker or as a utility club to get up and over something. You know, lob wedge, you got to get up over a tree or something high or something like that. Yes, they're going to use them. Or the only other time you would see them using a sand or a lob wedge, and this may be the case for you. Maybe you belong to a, a club or you play at a course that has super wicked fast greens, okay? And I'm talking about like rolling, you know, a hair below 
tour level greens, which is probably like a 12 or a 13 on the stint meter. I mean, that's a super fast green. If that's the case, when you are, say you miss the green and you're chipping, you've got to get up and down, maybe you go for a sand wedge because if you were to do a pitching wedge, it wouldn't have the backspin on it to stop it before it would roll off the edge of the green. So for the majority of us out there, though, we're not playing greens of that level. We're rough golfers. We go play public courses and, you know, we're playing the the more budget-minded uh, courses out there because that's what fits our budget right now. You know what I mean? So more than likely, those greens are not rolling that fast. You know, I play a course that has nice greens, but they're not super, super fast. And I can actually use my pitching wedge to a better advantage versus a sand wedge because more often than not, sand wedge being a high-risk, high-reward club, I'll either thin it or I'll chunk it or I'll scoop it. You know, my my rate of success on, act, you know, actually chipping that ball up and having it land within, you know, three to four feet of the hole, which is my goal, is very, very low on that club. However, when I flip that around and I look at my pitching wedge or maybe a nine iron or an eight iron to do a little bump and run, my success rate goes way up. And that's exactly why that that team that won, that, that came in first and shot like eight, I think it was 18 under, uh, that's why they were so successful. I never saw a sand wedge come out. They were using pitching wedges, and if, when they didn't make the green, okay, or they were close to the green, they were just doing little chip and run shots. That's it. But a pitching wedge, a nine iron, they weren't using anything fancy. It wasn't going way high up and stopping and dropping. No, it was hitting the edge of the green and then rolling out. And that's what you guys need to do for tip number two, okay? You know, I talk about the bump and run. Instead of, you know, maybe you don't want to use a seven iron, okay? Maybe you want to use a pitching wedge because you want a little more height to it and a little less run out. Well, do that. Practice with your pitching wedge in your yard, okay? But keep the sand wedge and the lob wedge in the bag for now, okay? And just work with your pitching wedge and work on your, you know, chipping up and letting it roll out to the hole. I guarantee you, you're going to see better results because I saw better results. I've seen other players in my group have better results. I saw the group behind us that won do exactly that, and they were successful. So don't be afraid to put those two wedges back in the bag and just use the pitching wedge to do your chipping to get up and down. Because really the sand wedge and the lob wedge, they're utility clubs, okay? For, for us amateur golfers, they really are utility clubs. You know, I, I guess if you're an aspiring pro or you're at the pro level, then, you know, you can make them do whatever it is you want to do. And, you know, good for you. But for us amateur golfers... Consider giving the pitching wedge a shot. You know what I mean? Don't let it just sit in the bag and collect dust. So now, tip number three deals with actually getting onto the green and using that magical club, the putter, okay, the flat stick, all right? And I've actually been having a lot of trouble lately. I just cannot, cannot get my putting under control. I'm three-putting like mad and it's just frustrating. So I actually decided to look at my equipment right now just to make sure that I was, I had the right equipment and it turns out that my putter was um, was too short for me. So I went with a longer putter and I actually went old school. I got a, an old Odyssey Rossi 2 with the black insert and thing looks brand new off of eBay so I'm super excited and I can't wait to try it out. But that's actually what I used when I did my best putting. So I said, you know, enough's enough. I'm tired of trying all these new designs and stuff. I'm just going to go back to the old standard and uh, make some magic happen. So I'm excited about that. But three putts really destroy your game, okay? It, it, 
to, to break 100, you have to get your putting under control, okay? It's a, it's a three-step approach. You've got to play smart shots off the tee. You've got to reduce your two chips because, it, you know, if you're in the 100 bracket, you're going to be making a few two chips, and that's okay because you're working to get better, but you've got to reduce them as much as possible, which will really help out when you're using a pitching wedge that's got a lot more forgiveness than, say, a sand wedge or a lob wedge. And you got to get your putting under control, okay? If you are shooting around that 100 mark, you are likely, you know, missing some greens, which is fine. I, you know, everybody misses greens, even the pros do. And you need to get the, you need to get up number one. But then to get your ball close, you need to really, really work on your lag putting, okay? And if you guys are not familiar with lag putting, lag putting is basically. Uh, you are, let's say, 30 or 40 feet from the hole, and you've got to make a very long putt to get up close to the hole, maybe even in the hole, um, before you can, uh, you know, make your, your next shot. So lag putting is just working on the speed of getting the ball from a far distance away, close enough to where you can actually make the putt, okay? Now, a lot of people will tell you aim is the most important thing in putting, and I disagree with that. Speed is the most important thing in putting, okay? If you want to reduce your three putts, do not worry so much about your aim. Worry about your speed, okay? The, the face rotation on a putter, the length of the stroke, all of these things makes it very, very difficult to, you know, hit way offline, all right? If you hit a seven iron and you've got an open face, that thing might go, you know, 15 or 30 yards offline into the next fairway or maybe out of bounds. If you have a putter face that's open, you may go, what, two, three feet, four feet, five feet maybe offline? That's not, you know, unbelievably uh, crazy, drastic, you know, destroy your game kind of offline uh, putting, but you, you can recover from that. But if your speed is off, and you, let's just say, you know, you don't have enough speed, so you turn a 30-foot putt into a 15-foot putt. You turn a 15-foot putt into a 6-foot putt. You turn a 6-foot putt into a 3-feet putt, but it's actually past the hole, so you got to come 3 feet back, and that can just wreck your golf game. So what I want you to work on when you're going out there is your speed, okay? Don't think about making the ball in the hole, all right? Think about where you want to leave the ball for your next shot okay that's very important all right if you want to say put a three foot circle around that hole let's say you're 15 feet out think about getting that ball within a three foot circle of that hole let's just say we're on a flat green here we're not worried about up and down you know weird bends whatever tier, two tier greens nothing flat green you want to get that ball within that three foot circle around that hole just get it close guys just get it close putting is such a mental uh, exercise in strength that you will need to, you know, really um, quiet your mind and work on getting your speed right, get the ball close to the hole. And then when you've got a little three foot or two foot putt, the size of the ball and the size of the hole, statistically, you're going to make more of those putts, okay? You've got a, a, a hole in the middle of the area that you're putting, all right? You're only going to miss so many of them unless you're just trying to, you know, you're trying to miss. You're not even trying to do your aiming and, and get your speed worked on. So for those lag putts, just worry about getting it close. Don't worry about making it. Don't worry about aiming it 100%. I mean, if it's off a little bit, that's okay. 
Just try to get it close within that three foot radius. And I guarantee you, you're going to see your scores improve. So guys, there you go. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please leave a rating or review. It really helps out the channel and the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep on swinging. Thank you.